of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And we finally have had some relief from the heat wave. Yeehaw. And the farmers get some rain for their uh, local crops. Of course, some places in America don't need any rain. Well, you live in a floodplain. It's going to flood. Black water. Ooh, black water. (laughs) Uh, by the way, I have a very good article in the uh, June 23rd edition of the Nation magazine about Blackwater. I may get to that uh, eventually about the ah. uh, goings-on with this uh, private security company that uh, seems to be milking American taxpayers for lots of money with the CEO, a uh, scion of a Michigan Oh, wealthy family that's uh, raking it in and contributing generously to GOP candidates around the country. Uh, Anyway, let's uh, quickly dispose of Mr. Bush. Give him another brain damage award for continuing to insist that invading Iraq was the right thing to do. Uh, I don't know why this man cannot admit that the Iraq war has been a disaster for everybody. Uh, particularly the Iraqi people, but certainly the expenses involved in uh, the American taxpayer is uh, staggering, and it continues to amaze me that John McCain can uh, continue to assert publicly that the surge is working and that, uh, well, Obama is naive for believing that we uh, should get out of Iraq. Talk about naive... uh McCain is just all over the place. He spreads himself in every direction that he believes. Uh, talk about pandering. Yeah. Uh, I've got a whole cluster of McCain-related brain damage issues here, but we can deal with those in due course. I don't know if you need to linger over McCain Bush's, uh, is not able. That's my slogan. That's <laughs> certainly very apt. And that's uh, uh, kind of an interesting biblical reference there. McCain. <laughs> Gog and Magog uh, yes. might be uh, the ideal candidates for some of America's fundamentalist Hagee and Christians. Dobson. Yeah. <laughs> when will they kill one another? Well, uh, Bush has had his farewell tour of Europe. Uh, I wish he would hurry up with a farewell tour of this great nation. Well, he's going to Iowa later that week to inspect the flood damage. and I'm sure they'll be relieved uh, to see him there. Uh, Hopefully he's got a uh, well-connected apparatchik that he can pat on the back for doing a heck of a job. <laughs> uh, yeah, farewell tour. I, I think that it should be called the Good Riddance Tour. 
I think that's the attitude of Europe. And I was uh, staggered, actually, in a recent book to find out that America ranks below North Korea in a BBC uh, radio survey that they did about a year ago of uh, attitudes towards various country. Israel ranks last, Iran ranks second to last, and America ranks third to last below North Korea. Uh, globally, in terms of uh, people's attitudes towards the United States, luckily Palau and uh, various remnants of the the Eastern European uh, countries and Israel are are uh, untiring allies at this point. But uh, interesting to see Gordon Brown today, um, while they are withdrawing from Iraq, slowly but surely, uh, promising to send more troops to Afghanistan, the uh, the other uh, Bush war that uh, doesn't seem to be progressing quite as well as uh, advertised. No, uh, a lot of conflicting agendas there. I don't know if it was ever really. I mean, we had a, a shifting series of agendas for our involvement in Iraq, but it was never very clear what we were doing in Afghanistan either. And, uh, you know, the uh, largest opium harvest in human history uh happened a year ago and uh and it was interesting to observe the sort of public spat between Karzai and Musharraf regarding yes. uh, cross-border incursions uh that Mr. Uh, Karzai promised to uh be entitled to um given the perilous situation along the uh infamous Curzon line <laughs> Well, and there's another uh, recent development along uh, borders in the region. Uh, it's reported in the uh, Financial Times that Iran and Iraq sign a defense pact, making Iran essentially the only real winner in Bush's Iraq invasion. Of course, Iran and Iraq fought a horrifyingly uh, bloody conflict uh, back in the 80s, which, of course, they were each side was receiving secret tips and information from uh, U.S. intelligence, but... Uh, and Israeli intelligence. And Israeli intelligence. Interestingly yeah. enough. Uh, who was supporting Ir Iran. Right. Much to their uh, their regret, probably. Well, they have a history of doing that, because yeah. they, of course, also supported Hamas uh, as a sort of a bulwark against Fatah. And now, oh, no, Hamas is powerful. Well, they, they definitely regarded, I mean, strategically, that... Uh, uh, Khomeini was less of a danger to them than Saddam Hussein. But yeah, that's uh, well. It's the old the enemy strange, of my yeah, enemy yeah. is my friend, but you know things are a lot more complicated than that, really. And often the enemy of your enemy is the enemy of anybody. So it's it's kind of silly, but that's the way these things seem to happen. Anyway, the defense ministers of Iran and Iraq have signed a bilateral uh, memorandum of understanding. And cooperation is to include mine clearance, search for soldiers missing in action. And it gave Iran's supreme leader uh, the chance to tell Mr. Maliki that the presence of U.S. forces in Iraq was the biggest obstacle to its development as a united country. Something I think Maliki probably secretly in his heart of hearts is well aware of. Yeah, and it's bizarre because, of course, all last week there were a lot of articles and stories about the ongoing negotiations that are occurring between uh, the Bush administration and the Maliki government regarding uh, permanent basing in Iraq. 
Uh, this, of course, is a thorny issue, and it's uh, interesting to note that the parliament of Iraq has to uh, approve such a treaty by a two-thirds margin, um, somewhat similar to the Senate in America with uh, so-called treaties. But I think what's most troubling about the concept of permanent basing of military troops in Iraq is that, uh, A, it uh, seems to be from the playbook of Osama bin Laden. He wanted to get the American troops out of Saudi Arabia. So it seems that we've accommodated him in a strange way. And then, of course, there's the the problem of why are we still in Iraq and why don't we take this opportunity now that there's been a lull... (laughs) so to speak, in, uh, in the violence, to uh, withdraw more troops. Now, Bush seems to be tying the hands of his successor. Uh, John McCain, I guess, has experienced being tied up. <laughs> um, so, and of course, he wants to pursue the Bush policy in the Middle East for what that's worth. But uh, leaving aside the bad uh, joke about POW uh, business... No, that's not going to be a winning proposition to uh, stick with that policy. Um, Another bizarre item here uh, from Pakistan. Uh, During a speech, I don't know if you heard about this, during a speech televised live, former Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif, who was ousted by Musharraf uh, in a bloodless coup in 99 and now leads the party that is the junior partner of the governing coalition, said Musharraf must be held accountable for past misdeeds. Speaking before a large outdoor rally, uh, he asked, is hanging only for politicians? The crowd, mostly lawyers, seated in the outdoor area adjacent to the presidential building, responded by chanting, hang him, hang him. Uh, A a faithful Bush ally uh, now being openly called for uh, his hanging. Um, Which means he would join Saddam Hussein and, I believe, Ceausescu in in terms of recent uh, former heads of state that have been hung. Uh, Of course, the Saddam Hussein execution uh, left quite a lot to be desired (laughs) for a variety of reasons that we need not dwell on. But uh, why not shift gears ever so quickly to give McCain, uh, I think, a couple of brain damage awards he's accumulated uh, of late. Um, this one to me is remarkable. Uh, and it's funny because we had that rainy weather mm-hmm. this last week and sometimes it would just sort of sprinkle and, you know, you figure, well, I'm going to get a little bit wet. Oh, well, I'm going to just go about my business. And I, as I thought that thought, I got this memory popped into my head. Hey, whatever happened to that, uh, Texas politician who made that horribly uncouth joke, uh, comparing being caught in a light rainstorm, uh, to rape. Mm. And lo and behold, two days later, he appeared in the paper. As a McCain fundraiser. As a McCain fundraiser, of all things. Uh, Texan Republican Clayton, Clady Williams, made uh, just a very tasteless joke in his failed 1990 campaign for governor against uh, Ann Richards. Uh, Williams compared rape to the weather, saying, as long as it's inevitable, you might as well lie back and enjoy it. Ha, ha, ha. Well, uh, what's really remarkable about this story is the language of the McCain spokesman, Brian Rogers, who said, 
Uh, these were obviously incredibly offensive remarks that the campaign was unaware of. Hmm. What? Why lie? How could you not be aware of this? This was a notorious quote. I mean, mm-hmm. it was coast to coast. It, it made all the papers. People talked about it. It, it hurt the guy politically. And, okay, if you want to accept his money, that's fine. That's one thing. But to have a big wing-ding fundraiser at his house and then actually say when people uh, call you on it and say, oh, gee, is Clady Williams, isn't he the guy who uh, made that horrible comment belittling rape victims? Um, oh, that, those are terrible comments. We were unaware of them. That's such an egregious lie. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible. And then McCain, uh, his, his daft cluelessness uh, is illustrated yet again uh, at a telephone town hall meeting. He says, every place I go, I'm told that Senator Clinton inspired millions of young women in this country. Well, this forum that he was speaking to uh, was largely comprised of women, most of them uh, self-identified as Democrats and independents. So I'm not sure how well the question session went there. But he needs to be told that Senator Clinton is inspirational to women. He can't suss that out on his own. It's not something he observes. I mean, admittedly, it's a minor complaint over language and usage there. But I'm told. Why say it that way? McCain is not able, indeed. He's also attacked uh, the Supreme Court's finding on uh, Guantanamo. Mm-hmm. Um, Which the, I, I think that was a very interesting ruling, but I thought that one of the most obvious points that the Supreme Court made in that uh, case was that the Bush administration tried to claim in court that uh, Cuba somehow had sovereignty over Guantanamo Bay, and therefore <laughs> that was just remarkable. I mean, that's just patently absurd. Yeah, uh, I believe the the facts are that the United States, which seized Guantanamo Bay in the First War of American Imperialism, the Spanish-American War. Oh, these many centuries ago, back in 1898, (laughs) remember the Maine. Indeed. Uh, That, of course, led, incidentally, uh, to America's first uh, experience other than, shall we say, uh, quelling the Native Americans here in America, to their first uh, insurgency uh, war in the Philippines, which was also part of the Spanish I was going to say Inquisition, but <laughs> turns out to be the, the mighty Spanish Empire. Um, this is one of our prized possessions, and I believe that Castro, um, we lease Guantanamo Bay for, for some token amount. A dollar uh, yeah. a year that he doesn't collect. Uh, there's footage of him like showing the checks that uh, he's received over the years. He should and demand y- euros at this point. <laughs> the dollars. And you know, in all in all reality, Cuba should hold sovereignty over Guantanamo Bay. It is in Cuba. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for the Bush administration to make that claim is is absurd on its face. Um, and for McCain to call the Supreme Court's decision quote one of the worst decisions in the history of this country is is. Again, cake-taking language. Like, well, maybe the decision to invade Iraq would, would rank up there with the worst decisions in the country's history. Yeah, and I think that what's troubling about the Supreme Court ruling is that it was a 5-4 to four vote, with, of course, the four conservatives siding with the Bush administration, which essentially is, is arguing that habeas corpus is a concept 
um, should be suspended. Yeah. Um, the notion that these prisoners, by the way, are going to be released to, quote, do harm to America and that this somehow damages our security is fatuous nonsense. Uh, all these uh, people are asking for is a legitimate hearing of some sort. Um, habeas corpus, incidentally, is a British legal law concept that's that actually precedes the Magna Carta and, as I recall, is actually in the language of the Magna Carta. So while Bush has uh, trashed the United States Constitution during his seven-year reign of error. He's trying to take us all the way back to before 1215. Yeah, um, which is, of course, the ideology of uh, some of the Muslim fundamentalists that we are so determined to win the ideas of. This, uh, the handling of Guantanamo, and I, I, I hasten to add, by the way, that the, the situations in Bagram in Afghanistan, and of course Abu Ghraib, that has been well publicized, are just heinous examples of the the complete um, breakdown in the sanity of the uh, rulers and occupants of the Bush administration. Uh, needless to say, many of the legal um, underpinnings of the Bush administration's theories of suspending all of these rules of international law were concocted by a troika of... Uh, Scooter Libby, Alberto Gonzalez, don't call me Fredo, and uh, David Addington, uh, chief legal advisor to Darth Vader himself, Dick Cheney. Yeah, and where are, are all those guys now? Well, there's another article from last week. Uh, Mental health concerns grow over Guantanamo prisoners. The uh, needless cruelty of the conditions in which they are being detained. Um, report by Human Rights Watch says 185 of 270 detainees were being housed in, quote, tougher conditions in the highest security supermax prisons in the U.S. The report says most of those detainees spend 22 hours a day in cells with little, if any, natural light, are only allowed two hours of exercise each day. None of the detainees has been allowed family visits. Most have so far not been allowed to make phone calls home. The Pentagon recently changed policy to allow detainees to phone home once a year. Phone home, E.T. Now, they haven't been tried. Some haven't even been charged. Right. Uh, there is a bizarre case of 13 uh, ethnic minorities from, from China. It's a group called the Uyghurs uh, from a province of China called Xinjiang who are housed in isolated conditions despite having been cleared for release when a host country can be found. They were mistakenly rounded up They've been there for years. Who knows in what case their, you know, psychological health is. Yeah, and the Bush administration has called these people the worst of the worst. Uh, in fact, a lot of them are just simply victims of warlord bounty uh, collections. Yep. Uh, this has been well established that many of these people are innocently turned over by Afghan warlords in particular. Shanghai into a certain arrangements. Yeah, um, and told, you know, the American military is told that these people are dangerous terrorists when many of them seem to be fairly innocent bystanders who uh, simply don't have the wherewithal to resist arrest, um, that we would, of course, be collaborating with Afghan warlords and this sort of nonsense is 
not too surprising because virtually every component of Bush's war on terror, which, uh, alas, will go down in world history as one of the great hoaxes of all time, um, it just continues. And it is staggering uh, when the international outrage over the way America has behaved with these so-called prison cells in Guantanamo, Abu Ghraib, and Bagram, those are the three most notorious, is just one of the reasons why America has, quote, lost the war, the, the war of ideas, so to speak. And I sincerely and truly believe that af- the Iraq war had no future after the Abu Ghraib um, revelations and photographs yeah. came out. I mean, it was just shocking uh, that this stuff happened. And, of course, uh, one of the tragic things in all of this is that the so-called, <laughs> you know, the, the operative concept of following orders has been part of the murky uh, chain of responsibility. Uh, George Bush famously talks about holding people accountable. This is a joke. He hasn't held anybody accountable except maybe Barney, uh, the dog. Barney probably has an accident every now and then in the White House, and he is held accountable, but... Bad dog. Bad dog, and Bush famously said that he will continue to believe in the support of the Iraq war, even if Laura Bush and Barney are the only people that support it. It might come to that. Well, and Dick Cheney. (laughs) He's an ever-reliable supporter of uh, these terrible panoply of policies and uh well uh january 21st 2009 cannot come fast enough the good riddance tour of mr bush should commence immediately well uh needless to say uh Over the weekend, it's uh, interesting to note that the finance ministers from the G8 have proclaimed that surging oil and food prices threaten the world economy. Uh, We saw Saudi Arabia recently announce that they are going to boost oil production uh, slightly, ever so slightly. Uh, By the way, the impact of their production boost in a world economy that's consuming over 28 billion barrels of oil a year Uh, will be minuscule in the uh, scheme of things. And needless to say, we've seen quite a lot of stories here locally about the uh, ever-rising prices of food. And, of course, so many of our goods and services in America are actually a function, you know, that old calculus concept of the price of oil. Mm -hmm. Well, needless to say, the uh, recent jobs report is uh, certainly not much better um, I'm always interested in uh, how the statistics are hidden and and uh, don't really reflect some of the real problems. But anyway, in this most recent report, this was the fifth consecutive uh, decline in jobs. And needless to say, the unemployment rate went up to 5.5%. Uh, some of the interesting facts uh, in the... Uh, sort of the gory details and I'm quoting here from Peter S. Goodman in the January 7th or the June 7th edition of the New York Times are that there are now 8.55 million people uh, unemployed in May 
and that 1.55 million had been unemployed for 28 weeks or longer. By the way, there's been a big debate in Congress about whether or not to extend unemployment benefits, something the Bush administration incidentally opposes, um, whether they'll get veto-proof votes in the Congress on that one, we'll have to wait and see, but I wouldn't count on it. Uh, professional and business services, uh, which include lawyers, accountants, architects, and management consultants, led the way down in May, shedding 39,000 jobs, according to the report. Construction declined by 34,000. Manufacturing lost 26,000. Retail payroll shrank by 27,000 and transportation and warehousing by uh, 10,500. Finance and insurance shed 3,700 jobs. And uh, continuing worries amidst these uh, questionable uh, Wall Street firms and banks uh, continues to uh, not bode well on that one. That's just my comment there. The job picture, by the way, has become, quote, particularly punishing for more vulnerable communities with unemployment amongst African Americans leaping to 9.7% in May, up from 86 in April. Um, jobless amongst those aged 16 to 19 climbed to 18.7%. Health care remained a bright spot, however, creating 33,900 jobs while restaurants and bars added 11,400 jobs. Uh, what, of course, is interesting about this is that uh, part-time uh, folks who could not find full-time work or because of, quote, slack business, nudged up uh, to $5.3 million dollars. And I should hasten to add that most economists point out that the African, the male African American unemployment rate um, in America nationally is actually closer to 50 percent amongst adult African Americans between 18 and 64. This, of course, is a reflection of the continuing ability of the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics to undercount uh, actually unemployed people the way they do in America. They use phone surveys. And, uh, you know, when you see facts like 12% of the people in the state of Mississippi don't even own a phone, which, of course, connects to some of the polling problems mm -hmm. um, that polling uh, agencies and organizations have, uh, you can see how these numbers definitely understate the problem. But well, let's... Get behind John McCain and support <laughs> more tax cuts uh, for the super wealthy who are struggling uh, in terms of putting gasoline in their SUVs. That four dollar, that four dollars a gallon, a gasoline price that uh, now is becoming sort of commonplace nationwide. Normative, yeah. Uh, is really a, a struggle for those people making over $250,000. <laughs> what will they do? Well, they may have to put the uh, Hummer in storage. But I doubt uh, that they're going to start riding the bicycle. <laughs> no, although uh, it's, as we've talked about in the past, it's nice locally that there is a decent bus system. Yeah. And it is a good biking a community here, and so I know plenty of people who 
have uh, limited and cut back uh, travel plans, vacation plans, uh, simply because of these costs. And it's amazing that, you know, here in the state of Michigan, the state legislature is trying to ram through a bill involving partial birth abortion. This is really a critical issue here that they know Granholm is going to veto, but they just want to do it to score brownie points with the right to life that, you know, this is some pressing concern. Where is the Manhattan Project or the NASA mentality about the energy uh, infrastructure problem here in America? Uh, McCain, of course, speaking of pandering to uh, stupidity, uh, has advocated a federal, you know, a suspension of the federal gas tax. Uh, That idea doesn't seem to be going anywhere quickly uh, because, of course, it would involve taking money out of the highway funds, and this is an election year, and pork barrel <laughs> spending is critical for many of our members of Congress to get reelected. But, I mean, the whole concept is ludicrous. Um, rob Peter to pay for Paul and add more to the deficit. Um, it's, yeah, as, as you say, a non-starter <laughs> on a number of different levels. And it really is going to take uh, the, the kind of uh, intense initiative that a Manhattan project was to resolve this crisis because let's face it it is a crisis and it's only going to get worse because uh the energy consumption of china and india is going to increase the saudi output is minuscule interestingly also there's uh, news that the saudis are looking into acquiring vast tracts of land in the sudan uh, so that they can begin growing their food there Uh, their water supply is fairly limited so um and I don't think food grows too well in the sand either. But No, and uh, who knows what this uh, means for the Sudan, uh, a, a large nation with uh, numerous troubles uh, that we don't have time to even begin to go into here at the near the end of the program. Um, in fact, I think Morgan's doing Yazoo City Calling tonight because I happen to know that Jerry Max Band, the Terrapins are playing at top of the The park. Terraplanes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Terraplanes, thank you. You're thinking of Terrapin Station by the Grateful <laughs> Dead. <laughs> so uh, a little turtle action there. A little there. turtle action. Uh, so, yeah, take advantage of uh, summertime in Ann Arbor. It's uh, the best time to live in this city, and uh, there's a lot of cool and uh, fabulous stuff going on, so enjoy that. Yeah, and the Ragbirds opening up tonight are also a fabulous uh, local bluegrass uh alternative outfit so check them out they play acoustic instruments and i've seen them jam around town a number of times but anyway we are uh, pretty much out of time down here on gray matters you are listening to wcbn fm ann arbor do stay tuned for yazoo city calling coming up next with morgan and thanks to andrew for engineering this evening i guess we'll have to talk about albert hoffman maybe next